We read the scriptures in Luke chapter 2. The first 20 verses of the chapter. This morning we'll look at verses 15 through 20. The Apostle John writes to underscore the deity of our Savior Jesus Christ, that he is God. Luke is writing, the Dr. Luke, friend of the Apostle Paul, is writing with his eye, led by the Holy Spirit upon the humanity of Jesus Christ, that he is born a real man. Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. May God bless that word to our hearts. Verses 15 through 20. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. May that amazing grace be shed abroad in this place upon you and upon me this morning, that by faith, our eyes being opened, we might see him, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and by that same grace, believe in him and trust in him as our Savior. May the wonder of what angels saw from heaven, may the wonder of what shepherds' eyes were given to see, may that wonder, the wonder that all God's people in glory see, may we see it today, truly, in our hearts. And may seeing that wonder of God's grace of a Savior, the evidence of his love for us personally, may that be the power to lift every burden off our heart, to free us from the load and the guilt and the consciousness of sin, to lift our mind out of a despair and depression, to give us hope in the most difficult of circumstances that the Lord may have laid upon you to give us guidance and strength. May his amazing grace to us in this truth that we know very well, but may its truth come down personally into the heart again this morning and give us to respond glory to God and give us an abiding hope and abiding peace. If this is to happen, if we are to have that wonderful grace, that amazing grace, that comforting grace in our hearts this morning, that only grace, that Savior, if that is to happen, we need to go to Bethlehem and we need to see it. Maybe the children ask, but Pastor, how can we go to Bethlehem? That was 2,000 years ago. The city is not the same anymore. How can we go? Well, I want to show you something in this passage. I want to show you something that answers that question, how we can go there. And the answer is going to be, we can, we, when we read the Bible, we actually, truly go there in faith. Because what I want to show you is that the King James, when it uses the uh, translation, this thing, or these sayings, the word actually should be translated word. Verse 15, the shepherds say, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this word which has come to pass. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying in King James, the word, the word that was told them. Verse 18, and all they that heard it wondered at those words which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these words and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorified and praising God for the words that they had seen and heard. Luke inspired by the Holy Spirit, is concerned that we hear the word 
we won't page forward to his explanation, his descriptions of the Savior's uh, resurrection, but if you go to chapter 24, Luke will be saying that the angels will tell the women, remember the words. You wonder about the resurrection. The angels said to the women, remember the words that he spoke to you. Through the word, through the living, through the abiding word of God, through this book, God's book, by God's gift of faith, we go there. And we see for ourselves what has come to pass. Let us go to Bethlehem. We'll follow the shepherds as they had a hurried, hasty journey. We'll follow them into the manger and see the wonderful sight that the eye of faith saw. And then we'll follow them too when this has become a life changing event in their lives, in our lives. Our text tells us, this word of God tells us, at the moment the angelic chorus had finished their Gloria in Excelsis Deo, that they immediately, the angels, when they ascended back into heaven, that the shepherds immediately were left with one single impulse in their hearts. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the wonder that has come to pass. And it came to pass, we read, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another. Literally, they were continually saying to each other. They were talking through each other. They were all saying, let's go. Let's go now. Let's go see this. We need to go see this. We need to go see what the Lord has made known unto us. Already, the angels, not what the angels said to us, but what the Lord has made known unto us. They were gripped with urgency. There was a bustle of activity among them. There was talk, let's go right now, this moment. We are being taught that true faith has an urgency about it. That true faith has an urgency when it comes to the gospel of grace and Jesus. They didn't go as skeptics. Well, let's go examine that and let's see if there's any validity to this. They didn't go there in great doubt. Well, it's not, it can't be true, God's Son in the flesh. They didn't have that. This is the urgency of a true faith. True faith is urgent. When the gospel comes, I need to go and I need to see this, what the Lord has made known to me. These shepherds, as you know, were boys, six, eight, 14 years old. They were poor, dirty. They generally had but one cloak and a staff. And their cloak was their whole substance of life, just the present food for the day. They were the lowest on the rung of society. And God has sent his word to them. 
on the night that God's Son is born. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, For God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise, the base things, and the things which are despised, yea, the things which are not, hath God chosen, that no flesh should glory in his presence. For he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The message that had been given to the shepherds is absolutely astounding. The message is that the Creator, God, His Son, is now born as a baby in a manger. The message is that the one for whom all things were made, Colossians chapter 1, the one who himself declared that he is the world's judge of every human being, This message comes to these poor shepherds. The the angels are told that they must bypass the Roman Senate. They must bypass the Sanhedrin of the Jews. They must bypass the dwellings of of the scribes and Pharisees and the ones who knew so meticulously the Old Testament scriptures. And they must go to those who are hanging on the promises of God. These young men are young men of faith. We notice that the angels did not use to the shepherds the word Bethlehem. They described it as the city of David. When the wise men came to ask, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Jerusalem did not know. The scribes and Pharisees, when Herod demanded of them to find out where that would be, came to their Old Testament scriptures and blew the dust off and finally found it in Micah 5, verse 2. But these shepherd boys know the city of David. It's Bethlehem. Now that name Bethlehem falls off our lips this morning with sweet thoughts, but Bethlehem was not an idyllic It was not a vacation destination. Your GPS, if you had typed it in in that day, would go circles around it. It was a humble place. There were two things that pointed out the humility. It was for the humiliation of God's Son, that though he was rich, he is becoming poor for our sake. That is also in the town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the littlest among a thousand towns in Judah. Micah 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little, you are the little one among a thousand in Judah. The other, the other thousand weren't much bigger either, except Jerusalem. Yet out of thee shall he come forth. He comes out of the little place of Bethlehem. And number two, the humility here is that in the shepherd's estimation and they were used to travel and they were used to hills in the shepherd's estimation it was not going to be easy to get there we read let us now go even to Bethlehem you could translate that let us go through let us do it that is that they were not in Uh, not envisioning a nice stroll, a midnight stroll along the hills, 
but that they were saying to each other, there's not an easy way to get there. It's going to take some effort. There's going to be some hills and rocks, maybe some brambles and cold streams. They understood the geography very well, but their enthusiasm was not dampened. They had an urgency. They had an impulse to go. And then there was the question of the flocks. We will learn that they were keeping, they were watching over their flocks, keeping watch over their flocks. What about these flocks? They were probably not their own sheep. They were probably entrusted with these sheep. But what about them? What are we going to say? And if sheep, we know sheep can't be left alone, but if sheep could be left alone in the middle of the night, they would not have been out there in the first place. They understood these things. Nevertheless, they said, we need to go. We need to go to Bethlehem. There was an urgency that they go and see what the Lord had told them. That's the urgency of faith. I need to know. I need to know about this Savior. They were so urgent because of the Word. I've already explained that. The living and the abiding Word of God was drawing them. That's what the Word does to our hearts by grace, children. Do you remember Martin Luther? When he stood before the whole world, they were going to condemn him and burn him at the stake. And he said, I can do no other. I stand on the word of God. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said? Necessity is laid upon me. Woe if I preach not the gospel. The word of God creates this compulsion, this urgency in our hearts. God's word is not like other men's words. When God uses it, there's an urgency in our hearts. Do you feel that? I must embrace these promises. I need these promises. The urgency was created by the word and the urgency was created by the word, Jesus Christ. It was his voice that is calling them through his spirit and through his word. It is truly God of God, eternal God in the manger joined to flesh. It is the one that God has given his people to so that when he, the shepherd, speaks through all the ages and calls his sheep, I know my sheep, I call each one by name, and they come unto me. When he speaks, we must go to him. Isn't it so? They came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. 
the angel had not told them specifically where to go in Bethlehem. They told him where they would find him. And being shepherds, they are very familiar with, with animals, with sheep, with barns, with caves where animals would be kept. They know where Bethlehem is. Perhaps it was a little bit of scouting around to find exactly the right one, but they, knew, they would know, they would know immediately that which one was the right one because a husband and wife would be there. A first-time mother just an hour or two ago finished with her first delivery would be there. The baby would be there. The baby would be in a manger where the animals would eat. The baby would be wrapped. They told him that. The baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes. You will know when you get there. And so it was. And we imagine this, that this must be quite a shock now to Joseph and Mary who have been having their fair share of wonderful, amazing things happening to them when this group of shepherds, shepherd boys, come into the confines now of this barn, this grotto, this cave, into this manger. And how the shepherds must explain to them how they know about this, that a heavenly host has appeared to them to sing glory to God. The whole hill lit up with the glory of God and has told us what has just happened in this manger, that you have given birth to your firstborn son and we are here to worship him. Imagine Mary hearing these things too. Her jaw and Joseph's jaw dropping. And they find it exactly as the angel said. A poor couple in a barn just had their baby. And she had taken swaddling clothes, torn pieces of cloth, and wrapped them tightly around her son for her bunting, for his bunting, and had laid him down in a feed trough. And they saw it. Do you see it? That's exactly what the angels saw. And it thrilled their hearts. And now by faith, when the, when the shepherds see it, it thrills their heart. And they magnified God. What are they seeing? They are seeing by faith the fulfillment of God's promise that rather than we should perish in our sins, God's eternal Son has joined himself to the flesh and blood of a baby and God is laying upon him our sins. That as Mary wrapped him tight from the perhaps the chill wind or the chill temperature of the manger to keep him warm. That in reality this was the sign that God had wrapped his own son tight 
God had bundled him with all our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world, the unity of his elect people in Jesus Christ, the people who have been living for 6,000 years, that now God is laying upon his Son in that manger all our sins, that God has seen us in our dirt and our manure and the corruption of our own hearts. He sees this and he has given his Son to bear these things for us. And they see the amazing love of God that God, why? Why would God do that? Why would God put on Jesus and on that babe your sin and mine? Why would he do that? We say, well, it has to be on his son, God of God, because only God can pick up that sin and take it away. Nobody can take away sin. Not one little sin, not one speck. Nobody can do that but God. And so God had to give his son where only God can bear away sin. That's right. That's right. But why would God do that? Why would he do that for you and for me? For God so loved the world, the unity of his elect in Jesus, he so loved them. Because God founded in his heart. And God loved us. Not because we were worthy, but he loved us in Christ. That's what they saw. And when you see that, the whole thing opens up. And it all becomes a wonder. It all becomes glorious. Then we see the wonder, we don't stumble over it, the incarnate God, God in flesh. We see not simply the baby, we do see a baby of Mary, man of man. We see him, we see him sinless according to scripture, but we see more. We see that this is the great I am, and we, this is mind-boggling to us. We cannot comprehend this. This tiny infant is at the same time God of God, the great I am the creator. God has not, God has so loved us that he did not spare his own son for me, for us, for you. He is the arm of God. He's the strength of God. He's the Savior. Isaiah 59, 16, God saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness, it sustained him. This is God's strong arm to save. This is God's hand from which no one can pluck us. 
This baby is the Lamb of God. He's spotless, whose blood will be an atonement sufficient for all our sins, the sins of all of God's people. And imagine all my sins, all of them. This is the gift of God. This is felt in the depth of the soul. This is God's gift for me, for you, who are hardly a blimp on the radar, and yet, and undeserving. But God, who is rich in mercy, according to his great goodness and love, wherewith he loved us in Jesus Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. He has now quickened us, but even when we were dead in our sins, God gave his son for us. The shepherds saw that the love of God included them. And they were changed. They were not the same. The rest of the text tells us that they were not the same. The first thing they did is they left to witness to others of this wonder of grace. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the word which was told them concerning this child. As they had to go and find out and see it themselves, now also they can't keep the word locked into their hearts. They, there's no lock of silence that could keep it because this is not for them an objective, cold doctrine. This is warm. This is personal. This is real. They told others who they met of this child. And they're telling of others that night on their return. They must have gone out of their way to tell people. It created such a stir so that people began to speak about this with each other. They told them, unto us is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The wonders of God's grace have flooded down onto our souls. And it's not only interesting, but it's frightening that many, we read in the text, when they heard this, wondered. And when we compare different scriptures about that word and, and see that Luke is referring to something written by Isaiah in Isaiah 49, then we tremble because this wondering was, oh, oh, well, that's interesting. Hmm. But we have to go back to this life. Let's just keep this objective. Let's not think any deeper than that. And this baby that night became a two-edged sword for salvation and judgment. But they erupted in a witness. And secondly, the, the result was the pondering heart of Mary. Pastor Eric's talked about her pondering 
last night. Mary, as every mother, wanted some kind of scrapbook for their baby. She didn't have pictures. She didn't have a pair of booties. She did not have the imprint of the foot to keep. Mary's baby book was the words that had been spoken, that she had heard about her child from Gabriel, from Elizabeth, from the shepherds. Three times now, she has been told in miraculous ways who this child was. The hymn that we sing today, Mary, did you know? Yes. Yes, she did. Did she comprehend? No. Who can? She knew she was a virgin. She had received the word of God spoken by shepherd boys. This is the Savior. She knew the same thing the shepherd boys knew. There was a worship service that night. A husband and wife and a group of shepherds and a baby. And they all knew the same thing. God's love includes me. And so the shepherds magnified God. The shepherds returned, praising God for the words that they had seen and heard. Long after this night had passed, they continued in their lives to praise God. And their praise pointed to the source of all this, this gift of the Savior, this eternal life, this gift of grace. They glorified God. They boasted about God. They lifted God's name up high. They said what we say in the Holy Scriptures, Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be God, who hath blessed us exceedingly with all the heavenly treasures of His grace. They say what the Scriptures say in Romans chapter 11, Now unto Him be all praise and glory. What the saints in heaven are saying tonight honor and blessing and glory unto our God. They were changed. We must go to Bethlehem through God's book by faith with a heart made alive to know to know one thing for sure, my need, my need is my sin, that it go away. My need is God. On this Christmas day, your family may be shaken in sorrow, in death of a mother, the memory of a death of a father at this time of the year. Your family may make comments that this one and that one is not here today, that their chair is empty. They're not here. And on this day, we think of our loved ones who have left us for glory. 
On this day, you may be broken in your heart. You may bear a deep, deep hurt that was done to you. Your heart may be covered with anxiety. There's just too, too much stuff going on. You may carry a heavy burden today. On this Christmas day, you may be gripped by your depression that you struggle against. And you're just hoping the day will be over. And you want to go back to do something, to be alone. On this morning, you may have awoke to the memory of a great sin that you committed before God. And you wonder, you still wonder, whether such a sin can even be forgiven. Go to Bethlehem. Go in the God-given faith. Go straight there and hear his word. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God's salvation has come. The power of his hand has been revealed. Shepherds, by faith, glorified God. Angels, when they saw it, burst forth from heaven to sing praises. And now God looks to hear today also our praise. Our hallelujahs, yours and mine. And he seeks to hear that out of the knowledge of just one thing. God's love includes me. Amen. Father, we thank Thee for the gospel. We know that they always have difficulty in expressing its profundity and its love for who can tell the glories of this book and of Thy salvation. We rely upon the Holy Spirit. And so send us forth with that joy which will never make us ashamed, that joy that cannot be crushed, the joy that abides forever, even the joy of our salvation, according to thy sovereign, unconditional, marvelous love for us. Amen.